Let's turn to Second uh, Timothy 2.15. And um, when I think about uh, Grandma Jean, I think about all the time she came here for like cantatas and things. So when we get to that cantata season, relatives come to those things and, and hear things there. And, uh, uh, so, and, and then years later, we find out that through that, maybe they uh, came to know the Lord as their Savior. So, all right, let's get at it, though, here. Tonight, we're on lesson number five of six. And there could be a whole lot more lessons on this subject but uh, the subject is how to understand the Bible. How to understand the Bible. If you do not have any of the notes, if you're missing any of the notes from the first four lessons, they are on this music stand here to my left. Feel free to take them, put them in a notebook, review them, and, and just be, learn how to be a Bible student. Now, you should have what's called Lesson 5 tonight, Bible Study Aids. If you do not have that right now, raise your hand. If you do not have a packet of four stapled together called Lesson 5 Bible Study Aids, okay, good, you have those, fantastic. So tonight's going to be different, and then next week we're going to try to illustrate having a small little Bible study uh, for you and how to do it, and I hope it'll just launch some of you into a life of Bible study the rest of your days. Everybody in this room without any exceptions, should be a student of the Bible. And God blesses Bible study. Notice it says in our text tonight, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we are told to study. Proverbs 15 and verse 28 says, the heart of the righteous studieth, to answer, are you righteous? Is your heart right with God, we sang earlier tonight? The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. And boy, people have questions. One of our church members called me last night, and we discussed for uh, I don't know how long, almost an hour, a question a man posed to him at work uh, yesterday that he said, I just, I just didn't quite know how to answer that question. And so we went through a bunch of things on the phone today that he, yes, last night, so that he could take back today to help this man who he said is really searching, might be even really close uh, to knowing the Lord, but he's stumped by a particular question that is very difficult to answer. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. And we should know the Bible so well, according to the text tonight, that we should be workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, approved of God. Uh, when should I be satisfied with my knowledge of the Bible? When God approves of you as a student. Uh, and I don't know when that is. When that is. But study to show thyself approved unto God. Not doesn't say... Study to show yourself about equal with everybody else at Faith Bible. I think I'm okay. No, no. What is the standard? Study to show thyself approved unto God, and then a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Over and over and over again, uh, sometimes believers are ashamed because they get out there in the world, in God's vineyard, and they're stumped and stumped and stumped and stumped and stumped and stumped by question after question after question after question. 
because we haven't studied enough. We haven't studied to answer. So we need to be Bible students. And notice why, that we might be workmen. The word is workmen. Not that we can be theologians fighting with each other. Uh, I can remember um, uh, a cartoon somebody drew about two men in the middle aisle on their knees and one was on one side of the Bible and one was on the other side of the Bible and one had a knife and he was trying to split a hair. And then as you looked at the church, all the windows were filled with the faces of souls all over the world ready to perish while these two guys were trying to split a hair over something and fight with something in the middle of the church. Never forgot that cartoon. I wish I'd have saved it or something. Really powerful. But that's how it can be. Some people just get Bible knowledge so they can fight with the first believer they find over this, that, or the other. Rather than being a workman in God's vineyard that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's uh, about the dispensations. And and I do have a, 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 a Bible study we'll get into maybe in a few months. That'll be an addendum to this. Uh, perhaps on how to defend the Bible and uh, we have about seven at least seven defenses of the Bible that maybe you've never heard of before but but it'd be good for us but we need to know the Bible so we can be workmen not not argue with believers but talk to people at work or on visitation or whatever and then when they do stump us to be able to go and get an answer and take it back to them because Solomon said, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. There is none. But there sure appears to be some by believers that don't have answers. So we need to be serious Bible students. And I want to just share with you some Bible study aids, this is different, uh, that can help you and I study the Scriptures. Number one tonight is study Bibles. Number two is concordances. Number three is dictionaries, and then number four is commentaries. These could be very helpful. I cannot tell you how blessed we are to live at the end of human history. I can't imagine being Peter or Paul and going out on visitation without a New Testament, without a gospel tract, uh, without one single word of the New Testament written that they can say, here's what... Uh, the Bible says, and yet we live in a, a day, 2,000 years later, where we not only have the completed uh, revelation of Scripture, the whole canon, but we also have so many Bible study aids that godly men have prepared and just uh, given their whole life over to, uh, like this Thompson Chain Reference Bible, which I'll get to in a minute, over 6 million copies of this uh, have been uh, printed and distributed and help people. And, and I thank the Lord for people like Frank Thompson, uh, who didn't live far from here over in Rochester, who's, who, who, who gave us his life work that uh, I call a shortcut to so many subjects, uh, over 4,000 subjects at my fingertips. You name the subject, and I could take this in, 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 in the alphabetical index in the back, probably in about five seconds, I could show you, well, here's some verses on that subject we could study. Or here's some verses on that person that we can study. Or here's some verses on that principle. Or here's some verses on that doctrine that we could study. In about five seconds, I could find it in the alphabetical listing 
in the, the index. Uh, and to thank the Lord for him and some of these other names that I'm going to mention. Now, as I mention some of these things, I have found in my experience of being in Christ for 54 years that if you decide to be a Bible student, you are going to be opposed. If you decide to be a prayer warrior, you are going to be opposed. If you decide to be a soul winner, you are going to be opposed. Someone's going to criticize your methods. And they're believers. It's unbelievable. Um, when I share these things with you tonight, somebody out there in, in media land is going to call me a heretic. Doesn't matter. You just got to forget what they're going to call you and be a Bible student. And uh, I, I found, I've heard criticism of, of, of almost any type of a Bible study aid you suggest, somebody will criticize it. You know why? Because none of them are perfect. None of them are perfect. Uh, Frank Thompson wasn't perfect. But he gave his whole life to putting together this study Bible, and, and, and Charles Strong wasn't perfect, and, or James Strong wasn't perfect, and Charles Spurgeon wasn't perfect, and Noah Webster wasn't perfect, and C.I. Schofield wasn't perfect, and and you can find one or two or a few couple things that they maybe said that weren't right. And there are people out there that will condemn the whole project. They'll condemn the whole project. And uh, some of them will do the same thing with pastors. They go to a church and say, well, that pastor said one thing wrong. I don't think I can ever go back to that church again. Uh, because of this one thing that he said wrong. There's people like that. And uh, sadly, um, there's, uh, there's going to be opposition to you being a Bible student, uh, maybe even from your own uh, family, and uh, you're just going to have to uh, decide. So I came up with Bible study aids that have helped me profoundly. Whether you agree with them all tonight or not, we're going to just kind of go through them and uh, see... Uh, uh, by the way, here's a, here's a little advice to all the, the critics who criticize every Bible study aid, every preacher, every church. There's a warning for them in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 16. It says, Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Isn't that something? Some people can make themselves so righteous, so overwise, it ends up being their own destruction. Their own destruction. Because they think they're right, nobody else is right, and they kind of wander off. Picture like a flock of sheep, and this one sheep thinks they're just better than all the other sheep, and so off they go. They're too good for this sheep, this flock. What happens to them? What happens to that sheep? What happens in nature? to that sheep that wanders away from the flock. It's devoured. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Don't ever get so over-righteous and, and uh, over-wise that you end up destroying yourself. I love to humbly learn from these uh, Bible study aids. So the first thing that can help is a study Bible. A study Bible is defined on your sheet as Bibles that surround the text of the Word of God with outlines, commentary, subject chains, etc. 
And uh, there's a lot of them out there. <coughs> I've read Bible, uh, study Bibles. Some of them I will not use. I will not advocate. And uh, these four that I have on our notes tonight are not perfect. Uh, but neither is Pastor Cole. I don't agree with myself sometimes. I'm serious. Uh, there's times where I've gone and said, boy, I don't, Art, I don't think you're right here. And, um, but I appreciate the patience and love people have shown me uh, over the years. But as far as I'm concerned, the Cadillac of the Bible study, uh, study Bibles is the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. The reason I like it is because it is not a commentary. Uh, it is rather a chain reference Bible. And uh, what we mean by that is that it will take a word. Let's say it's the word faith, and I think the first mention is Deuteronomy 32 something. Then it will tell you where the next mention is, right next to it. And then it will tell you where the next mention is, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. And it forms a chain all the way through the Bible on that particular subject, a particular person, particular doctrine, and I'm going to give you an illustration here in uh, just a moment. In 1972, in 1972, my dad gave me for Christmas this Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Uh, it has uh, uh, been rebound twice. Pages used to be as white as snow. It's falling apart. I can't get it rebound anymore. Uh, sections are coming out. But he got one, I got one, George got one, Dave got one, and all, it says right here, to Arthur Cole from Dad, Christmas 1972. My dad got one. My dad requested that he be buried with his, and his was in worse shape than this, and uh, he was buried with it last year. Um, but I, I, I got saved in 69, and so for the first three years in my Christian walk, I just used those gift Bibles, you know, that they gave you, the paperbacks that fell apart in a short time. And this was my first study Bible, and I'd become addicted to it. And uh, this was put out by Kirkbride, the uh, publishing company. Now, uh, recently, Zondervan has taken over the printing of the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And uh, I have this one here uh, that was given to me uh, that I love, and uh, it, I, I believe it's the Cadillac of the Study Bibles. Again, this is my personal opinion, but believe me, this can help you in your Bible study. And uh, a Bible like this might be, I don't know, $80, $90, $100, $120, depending on what source you get it from. But Zondervan has, has made some changes to the setup and printing and everything. It's just wonderful. I'm just loving this, this Bible right here. And uh, in the process, I hope, of wearing it out. So, uh, but, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, you do the math, but uh, I've been using the Thompson Chain Reference Bible, King James Version, uh, for about 50 years or more. Uh, I call it a shortcut. Like I said, in the back, there are, as it says under A, over 4,000 subjects, people, places, things, etc., outlined in alphabetical order. Outlines of major characters. Every book of the Bible, there's an outline in the back. And uh, all the life of Christ, the life of Abraham, the life of Moses, life of Peter, it's all done. 
Every book is outlined, and it's all done for you, and there's all kinds of charts and maps, and, and the old ones, the Kirkbrides had a archaeological supplement. These don't anymore, but that's okay. And uh, these are up to about 4,300 uh, subjects. So no matter what it is, if you say, boy, I, I just need more patience, or uh, I'm, I'm struggling with this or, or, or that or anger or wrath or malice or whatever. You just go to the, uh, the back, to the index, alphabetical order, and then it takes you to an uh, example uh, and where those are. No, let me give you an example from the Thompson Chain Reference. Turn to page two of your notes, and you'll see at the top left where it says John 11, verse 24. John 11, verse 24. And by the way, I think sometimes about God and how he, he has things in our lives ordered. I'm really wondering if, if he didn't bring one of those into my hands in 1972 knowing I would never go to Bible college or take a Bible correspondence course. And that thing has, had put in order so many subjects for me already. I'm not against Bible college or correspondence courses at all. Uh, but a door was flung open for me where I did not have the opportunity to do those things. Uh, but I had a Bible that I knew how to use on any subject, any person, any doctrine, uh, any book of the Bible already outlined for me. And, and then I could build upon that. Now, here's an example of the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Notice it says John eleven twenty four at the top left. Now, notice right under that. Follow me along. There's red numbers there. Martha, 2258. You see that? Y'all see that? That means if I go back in my, uh, the index to 2258, you'll find a whole bunch of information about Martha. Next one, Young Women, 3668. Next one, Resurrection, 2416. Next one, Last Days, 926. Last Day, 4053. Christ's Resurrection Life. Look at this one. Christ's Names. 3632. Boy, that'll help you know Jesus, won't it? If you had one of these Bibles, rather than trying to do it yourself, say, well, I wonder what the life is. You could probably do it. You could probably do it. But how long would that take you to go through the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and come up with the names of Christ? How long would it take you? Take me about five seconds to get there uh, with this Bible, and then I could study all the ones that he has, and then it goes all the way down. You can just read all the way down and all the way on the right side also. Those numbers in red are indexed in the back of the Bible, which is right here. Look how many pages that is. This is the text, my left hand. This is the index, my right. A lot of the verses are printed out completely. Turn your page over, and I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say we're looking for prayer heard, which is on... The other side that we just turned over on the right, I highlighted it in yellow. Prayer heard, 2821. Now, here's the example of the numerical index in the back of the Thompson chain reference. Top left, 2821, <coughs> prayer heard. Now, unfortunately, with that subject, they don't print them out, but they do list them all. The next one, 282200, prayers refused. Next one, 2823, Prayers United Prayer. Some of these are already printed out completely for you. Down at the bottom, 2824, Prayer. 
uh, conditions of successful prayer. And there, there you have it. Then you go to the middle of the middle column, 28, 25, prayer, notable prayers. Notice that's the 10th subject on prayer. 2826, prayer, brevity, and so on, down your right column. Now, if I could show you, and you can't see it from there, but what we just showed you was this page right here. That's what you have. I just made a copy of it. Guess what this page is all about? Prayer. Guess what this page is all about? Prayer. I mean, you got pages and pages on prayer already divided into subjects. If you say, why don't I get my prayers answered? Well, you go to prayer unheard, and there it is. Prayer unheard. Take you about five seconds to find it. So I want to encourage some of you to uh, buy yourself. You got the money. Buy yourself a Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Try to get one of the newer ones by Zondervan. And again, realize you're going to have to spit out some pits. You know, chew the cherries, spit out the pits, just like with every preacher, every church. Uh, you know, we don't reject preachers and churches because they're not perfect all the time. And, and, uh, but there's very little. I, I just love uh, this. There's very little I disagree with. I know the older Thompsons by Kirkbride had the uh, um, Good Friday thing in it which I believe Christ died on a Wednesday. There were two Sabbaths that week, according to John 19.31. This one doesn't have it in, which is a, a blessing to me. And uh, so uh, that's one. Charles Spurgeon, B. Charles Spurgeon Study Bible. We have these over there, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at one right there. I don't know how much it costs. Charles Spurgeon, why do I like him? Because God used him back in the 1800s. I know he wasn't a fluke. I know he wasn't so, do you listen to so-and-so on the radio today? No, I don't. I like just listening to those that have been proven and, and really showing that God used Charles Spurgeon in an amazing way over in England in the 1800s. And his commentary at the bottom is so down to earth, you'd think he was living today. Once in a while, I run across something I don't agree with Charles Spurgeon. But uh, that's a a Bible study, a study Bible I've just read through the last four years of my life, enjoyed it so much. Now I'm on again to the Rock of Ages study Bible. I've read it through many times, formerly the Pilgrim's Bible, C. It was written with much simpler notes and outlines after the famous Schofield Reference Bible became popular in the early 1900s. The Schofield, which I'll get to in a moment, is, is, is pretty deep. Uh, it was written by a bunch of theologians, but it's good. Uh, a lot of it is good. A few things you're going to disagree with. So they came out with the, what was called the Pilgrim's Bible, which uh, the Independent Baptists got a hold of the copyright, I guess, and now it's called the Rock of Ages Study Bible. And the Independent Baptists, praise the Lord, dropped some of the notes that I didn't like. And so I like this even more now. Now, this one I picked up from right over there. It's $20, Rock of Ages Study Bible. And if you get somebody saved, if you get somebody, or if you're just starting yourself, and you want a basic entrance uh, Bible study, it has a little commentary, has a lot of notes. Every book is outlined. And uh, that is a good study Bible to have, uh, which they hope people would precede that and then follow up with D, the Schofield Reference Bible. This was the most popular study Bible in our country in the 1900s, especially in the early 1900s. 
And uh, in fact, there used to be actually on Main Street in Hamburg a storefront that sold nothing but Schofield reference Bibles. That's how popular uh, this was. And I remember, I remember in my ministry, it used to still be there, but now people don't use the Schofield reference. They've gone to so many other versions. This is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's deeper. Uh, a lot of the theologians, uh, in fact, um, uh, Pettengill, uh, William Pettengill, who was um, um, Jay Brumbaugh's uncle, uh, was one of the theologians that uh, wrote the notes for the Schofield Reference Bible. But anyways, those can help you as you're reading. You can read their commentary uh, or the chain references and... Any subject you're interested in, any subject you're interested in, uh, you can get to. But we got to go on tonight. Number two is concordances. There are concordances by James Strong and Cruden's Concordance, Young's Concordance. I used to have all three, but I gave away my Young's and Cruden's because there's no sense being redundant. They all do the same thing. I still have a, a concordance by James Strong, um, which is right here called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and um, it's a good concordance. And what is a concordance? Notice the definition. An index of all the words in the text showing every contextual occurrence of the word. All right, so uh, turn your page over now, and uh, you're on page three now, and you're going to see an example uh, that I took and just copied out of the Strong's Concordance, the main concordance. And notice I have highlighted the word worship. Do you see that? The word worship. The next word is worshipped. And that's the worship is 102 times. Worshipped, you see 69 consecutive times it's used. Worshipper, uh, two times. Worshippers, six times. Worshipeth, six times. Worshipping, five times, actually. You're up to about 190 verses in the Bible, all in front of you on one page where the word worship is. Now, to study any subject, it takes work. Solomon said, much study is a weariness to the flesh. If you're going to find out the truth about worship, you've got to go through every single verse. Now, this is kind of a longer subject. There's a lot of subjects that are shorter. But you've got to compare every single verse of Scripture... As as we've seen in in previous lessons, God's method for us to understand the Bible is what? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Going back and forth. And you'll see examples of worship, and you'll see postures of worship, and so on. And Sometimes I say crazy things about worship. I mean, I love music and praise and everything, but not one of these verses here is tied to music. In any way, I've gone through this list about three times, verse by verse, and said, God, am I missing something here? Because we got all these worship leaders and worship songs and worship bands and, and worship this and worship that on the, the FM radio dial, and it's all about music, but the Bible, it's nothing about music. So I'm like, Lord, and I have to, I don't know about you, I've, I've chosen to stick with the Bible. Uh, when it seems like everybody else is either wrong or I'm wrong, one of the, one of the two. Flip this page over. Now, uh, I have a couple verses highlighted here out of Matthew 2, first time ever that we have the word worship. 
And uh, now you flip it over, and if I can get my glasses on again, uh, when you get down, uh, flip back over to the first page, way down at the bottom on the left column, Matthew 2.2, 2, it says, the east and are come to worship him. See the W period? That's the abbreviation for the word. Everybody see that? And then after, what's the number? Somebody shout it out real loud here. There's a number. That's right, 4352. Did everybody see that? 4352, okay. Now flip your page over. And notice I have 4352 highlighted in the back of the Strong's Concordance. And this has to deal with Greek, Old Testament words with Hebrew. And we find out that the word worship is the Greek word proskunio. And there's all kinds of notes in here. And it says, to mean to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand. To fawn or crouch. To prostrate oneself in homage. To do reverence to or adore. Okay, that is what the word worship means. If you've ever seen a dog, they worship their owner. Cats don't. Okay, cats could care less about their owners. Dogs worship their owners. It has nothing to do with uh, music. It has us. It has to do with us keeping our eyes on God at all time, licking His hand, kissing Him, prostrating before Him. That's what worship has to do. And so, what's the title of our lesson? Understanding the Bible. You're reading all these verses about worship. And uh, you, uh, so a, a concordance can help you understand what worship means. And, and by studying Hebrew and Greek words, and by the way, our, our English language is between 25 and 40% Greek right now. You and I, we speak English. It's about 25 to 40% Greek, depending on which language you, you refer to. Go ahead and look it up. Um, and so, uh, without changing the word, without changing the definition of the word, which I didn't, but we have enhanced it. We have enhanced it. Now I'm thinking worship, a dog licking its master's hand. I think of another word, metamorphosis, for the word transformed in Romans 12 and verse 2. And I see metamorphosis in here, and what do I start thinking from back in biology days in school? What do you think about metamorphosis? You think about an ugly little worm spinning a cocoon, turning into literally liquid jelly inside of the cocoon, and then somehow refabricating itself into a beautiful butterfly, and then from the, the strength and the war that it takes to get out of the cocoon, it, it gets its color. Its beauty is from the struggle, and then it's released, and you've got this beautiful monarch butterfly that was once an ugly worm, and all of a sudden now I'm reading Romans 12, 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and I think, hey, you know, I didn't change the word. I didn't change the word, but I sure enhanced the meaning. and I'm starting to understand the Bible. See, that's what our lesson's about, understanding the Bible. And all of a sudden, I, I'm seeing from nature, 
what God wants to do with me and why God makes us struggle and why God makes us fight to gain one foot in the Christian life. Uh, it's, it's such a struggle. And we get our beauty from the battles. And so we, we want to use a concordance. Also, I would recommend a dictionary. I, I think I did this last week. I'm not sure. But uh, Noah Webster's dictionary is from 1828 is a good investment. And uh, this will get you about 200 years closer to the King James Bible. Dr. John Asquith uh, knows of an English Bible that's from the 16, uh, English dictionary that's from the 1600s. I forgot the name of it. It's so rare and so expensive, nobody in this room could afford one. Uh, but it is on the internet, but you've got to pay quite a bit to, to get at the, the words that, that's right from the 1600s. I mean, that'd be the best thing to do. This is 200 years closer to our 400-year-old Bible, uh, English Bible, the King James, so this would obviously be closer in definition. So here's an example on your notes. The word conversation comes up. For instance, in Philippians 1 and verse 27, it says, let your conversation be as becometh the gospel. Or in 1 Peter 1 and verse 15, it says, be holy in all manner of conversation. Now today, in today's language, this example on your notes, we use only the fourth definition, which says familiar discourse, general intercourse of sentiments, chat, unrestrained talk, opposed to formal conference, okay? Um, that's the only definition that is used today to define conversation. But that's not the Bible word conversation. The first three definitions on your notes talk about how conversation is our lifestyle and the message that our actions give. That helps us understand the Bible. See, we say, uh, you know, hey, let's have a conversation. And we think, well, let's get together and talk. That's all we think of today in, Eng in our dumbed-down English. But back then, it had two definitions. And somebody once taught me a little ditty. I don't know who it was, but it defines this. It says, your walk talks, and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. We are living epistles. People are reading us. Our lifestyle is giving a message without saying a word. That's the word conversation in the Bible. And so a dictionary can help us understand the Bible. We're talking about how to understand the Bible. A good dictionary will unleash for us the definition of conversation as it used to be in the English. So I am talking by my actions, that's my conversation. And by my words, that's my conversation. And so a dictionary can help. Um, you'll be reading in the, the Bible, and eventually you come across words we don't even use anymore. Uh, for instance, the word froward, not forward. Fro word, F-R-O-W-A-R-D, fro word. And as you look it up in the 
Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, it says perverse. That is, turning from with aversion or reluctance, not willing to yield or comply with what is required, unyielding, ungovernable, refractory, disobedient, peevish, as a froward child. And then they put Bible verses in this dictionary. And here he quotes Deuteronomy 32.20. They are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. Well, you get kids without any faith and you're going to get a perverted society. And so we don't use the word froward. But listen, all you need is a dictionary. We don't need a new version of the Bible translated. All you need is a dictionary. And there might be, I don't know, 20 words. I don't know how many. I shouldn't have even said that. But I don't know how many words are in our King James Bible we don't use anymore. But we don't need a whole new translation uh, or version to all you need is a good dictionary. So purchase an 1828 dictionary. We used to have them here, but I don't think we have many more. But um, you could probably find them on Amazon or something. Now, the last thing I want to end with, I know we've been here a while again, but uh, uh, number four is a commentary. Commentary. And uh, what is a commentary? A commentary is a verse-by-verse explanation of Scripture. These can be helpful in understanding the Bible if done by good, solid Bible-believing people. Got to watch out for this, though. Again, there will be commentary you won't agree with, but mostly it will be helpful and enlightening. Now, I give you three examples here. Number one, David Sorensen. Look at your last page. I have a picture of a set of his understanding the Bible on the bottom. All right? The bottom picture on your last page. Notice what the title of each book is called. Understanding the Bible. Imagine that. He's given his whole life to this work. And uh, you can buy it. He's still alive. In fact, he's going to be in this pulpit in May. Uh, The man who wrote this uh, commentary right here. And on page 10 of the most recent uh, copy of the Sword of the Lord magazine, there's his commentaries right there for $300. They're also available on CD-ROM. When he gets here, you can ask him how much that is. That's an investment, and, and, and I, I, can, I, could, I can make it without that, but it helps sometimes when I get stuck, and I say, I have no clue what this is saying right here. And to, to read his commentary, every book of the Bible, he's got commentary on it. And uh, he, is, he is current, he is alive, he has read through the King James Bible over 300 times. He's been here before. This is his last hurrah, after this he's retired. It's the last time he's traveling, he's getting up near 80 years old, he can't do it anymore. He'll be here in May. What's the theme though, brother? It's not King James Bible, is it? I think it's family conference. Family conference, okay. But you can ask him questions, you can, you can get these, and, and I can't tell you what a blessing these have been to me, um, where I get stumped, like, what in the world does that say, or what does that mean, and then just to, to go there, that's right next to my desk, in my office at home, 
Another commentary is Matthew Henry's. I don't have him. He was a Presbyterian, a nonconformist Presbyterian from the 1600s and 1700s. And the thing I like about Matthew Henry is he was an avid soul winner. Uh, not that he was a Presbyterian, but he was an avid soul winner. He was a nonconformist Presbyterian. That guy would win souls. I mean, there there's been so many sermons by him in the Sword of the Lord magazine on soul winning over the years. He was an avid soul winner. Now, the Bible says he that winneth souls is wise. Not just wise after winning souls, but just wise with wisdom. God gives wisdom to soul winning people. And uh, so his commentary, again, you won't agree with it 100%, uh, but you'll, you'll see a lot of times, and I, I've given mine away. I don't even have it anymore, but a lot of times I went to that and said, that's what that means. That's what that means. He gave his whole life to writing the commentaries. Now, there's a shorter condensed one, but about that big. Dave Sorensen, how did he do this all in a lifetime? Look at the top here, and uh, this is uh, not on your notes, but these are books by uh, um, Herbert Lockyer that I have. I purchased them all. I've got one here, I think. This, these are tremendous uh, on, the, on the top. These are tremendous. Um, if you can even read it, the one on the left, all the doctrines of the Bible. Next one, all the kings and queens of the Bible, all the angels of the Bible. All the messianic prophecies of the Bible, all the trades and occupations of the Bible, all the parables of the Bible, all about God in Christ, all the prayers in the Bible, all the divine names and titles in the Bible, all about the Holy Spirit, all about all the miracles of the Bible, all the books and chapters of the Bible, all the holy days and holidays in the Bible, all the last words of saints and sinners, that's not in the Bible. All the women of the Bible. Then there's four that are not on this picture. All the apostles of the Bible. All the teachings of Jesus in the Bible. All the promises of the Bible. And this one here, all the men of the Bible. I read these things and I say, how did somebody do that in a lifetime? Herbert Lockyer. Now he was with Moody Bible Institute. And uh, he um, uh, died, I think, back in uh, um, 68 or something. But um, tremendous stuff. Tremendous. You talk about shortcuts that we have available to us today. Um, and, uh, yeah, he died in 1984. Uh, Matthew Henry, I mentioned him. His last words on his deathbed was this, a life spent in the service of God is the most comfortable life that anyone could lead. He's a Presbyterian. He's, his most famous quote was, man's extremity is God's opportunity. And uh, so stuff like that, we are so blessed to live in this day and age where these great saints have, have done the heavy lifting and have got it in print for us. And by the way, the Strong's Concordance, I think when Brother Mike got me a laptop, one of them, that was 20 years ago, I don't know when it was, but the, the Strong's Concordance is right on my laptop now. I haven't picked this thing up uh, since. All right? Uh, because now uh, I can punch in the text that I want or the word that I'm trying to find, and it comes up. And then you, you hit the S button on your keyboard. And the, Thompson, or the, the uh, uh, Strong's definitions come up to every word you're looking at. 
Then you just double click on the number, which we saw in the backs, and there's the definition for you. The Greek word and then the, the definition. It's amazing. And then you hit X button, and it takes that subject. Let's say it's faith. And I found one verse that I'm looking at at faith. You hit the X button, and then all these other verses on faith come up right in front of you in, in, in two seconds. Two seconds, and you just scroll through them. And uh, what advantages we have today. What advantages we have today. Now, next week, we're going to close with a, we're going to do a Bible study together, together uh, next week. And I'll just show you kind of how my mind works. When I'm trying to study a subject, yeah, go ahead, John, let's pass those out. Now, the last thing on your notes is a notebook. I mean, just, just write some stuff down. You're not, you don't have a photographic memory. Get over your pride. Write in your Bible. I've been criticized for writing in my Bible. I mean, writing notes. It's, like I said, no matter what you do, you're going to be criticized. And someone's going to say, no, don't get James Strong and don't get C.I. Schofield and don't get, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, well, here's another one. This is not on your notes. This is Henry Hawley. The Hawley's uh, Bible Handbook. Some people call it the Haley's Bible Handbook. You can get these on Amazon sometimes for five bucks. Every chapter in the Bible, uh, he tells you uh, what it's about. Um, what did I just turn to here? Uh, I'm in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, Appalling Wickedness of Judah. Chapters 2, 3, and 4, A Prevision of the Christian Age. Chapter 5, A Song of the Vineyard. And then there's a whole paragraph uh, defining each one of those. Haley's, Hawley's, whatever you want to call it, is, is something. But basically, what you see on this table here, if I had nothing else but these, I could probably... <coughs> In, in 30 minutes, give you a, a presentation on almost any subject. Not because I'm smart, but because I know how to use these tools. I know how to use these tools. I've done things the hard way. And um, so I hope that will help you with the Bible study aids. Let us pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for those that have come out. We want to pray for more to come out on Wednesdays and Pray thy blessing on Vacation Bible School tomorrow and Friday that souls will be saved in Perrysburg. But Lord, help us to be Bible students, uh, to, to pay the price, to learn, to, to have the answers, uh, to lead souls to Christ, and then to help in the discipleship of those that have been saved. Lord, somebody's got to pay the price, men and women, who will know the Bible and uh, bless, thank you for these aids we have and for those that you used to give us these things. And may they bless our lives and the church and the, the, the kingdom of Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We will finish and start a new subject in March, but one more, Lesson 6, next Wednesday. You're dismissed. <laughs>